Welcome to The Partnership, the straight-up business podcast where co-founders chat co-founders with co-founders. I'm Jennifer Bettmeyer. And I'm Melissa Duran connor We know... We, a th- what are you doing? Go ahead. <laughs> we know a thing or two about being business partners. We launched media relations agency, Jennifer Beck Communications... A.K.A. JBC. ...together in 2014. So each episode, we invite co-founders to share their stories about building something new from the ground up. Today, we're so excited to welcome State Bags co-founders and real-life married couple Jacqueline and Scott Tatelman, who launched the brand together in 2013 with just three backpack styles. State was born out of Jack and Scott's nonprofit and social justice experience running Camp Power, a week-long sleepaway camp that provides kids from New York City's most underfunded and underserved neighborhoods with an experience that's often lacking in their communities back in the city. Originally created under the one-for-one model, the brand has since transition to more partnership-based give-back work. And in the seven years since its launch, State has donated more than 200,000 bags while also contributing 20% of gross profits to combat the most challenging issues of our time, from mass incarceration's impact on children to the Flint water crisis. My lord, you guys, so impressive. And I can say that I've known Jack since how old, how long have we known each other? I mean, the way that it is in our hometown, it's like, you know, each other forever. Like as soon as you're in the same school, you know each other because it's so tiny. So, so we've known each other forever. So I will caveat this podcast by saying there is a personal history here. Um, We grew up in the same hometown in Westchester County. And so um, I was privy to kind of watching your success with state bags. And I've been kind of just so excited for you guys and, I feel like everyone loves state bags, but I've had this personal investment because you're such a good person and mm-hmm. I'm so happy for you guys. So, well, and we even had the awesome pleasure. We got to work together on a project, yeah. a couple, I mean, yeah. when we literally JVC was just In, J and M. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we did, um, when you guys partnered with Beyonce's, Beyonce's Be Good Foundation, which was amazing and so much fun. I loved working on that. Um, I would and- say like without hesitation, that was the craziest stretch of our lives being that Jack was eight months pregnant with our second child and working with you and like the whole process throughout. And then the press release going out the day that Ozzy was born and I was in the delivery room <laughs> holding my newborn son with the phone to my ear and like grandparents coming in to meet their new grandson and this is when it's great to work with your wife because normally your wife would be like, put the goddamn phone down right. and like pay attention to your son. And she was like, leave him alone. He's on the phone with press. It's a big moment for us. It's a big partnership. Let's just ride. And uh, that was officially the biggest day of my life. That was the craziest experience ever. So we know a lot of your history, obviously, but the point of this podcast is to make sure our millions of re- listeners also know it. <laughs> Um, So I guess before we talk about your partnership right now, I guess let's lay the groundwork of like backstory. Obviously you guys met, you fell in love, you got married. Um, State is not your first endeavor together. You did something before and State was born of it. So kind of want to dive into the early years. If you can just give us like quick background. Yeah, I'll try and be quick. Emphasis quick. Yeah. Um, He's so long-winded. So... To kind of get the full story of state, you have to understand like how it goes back further. So 
Um, we started a nonprofit summer camp, as you mentioned, in 2009 called Camp Power that serves, now it's served thousands of kids from New York City's most underfunded neighborhoods. So Bronx, Brooklyn, East New York, Bedford, Stuyvesant, you know, Red Hook, all over New York City, including parts of Chicago, um, and has become an enormous part of our lives and is something that we live for, something our kids, you know, come with us uh, for each week of the year. And we started seeing a recurring unfortunate theme of the kids from camp, as well as during the school year when we'd see them carrying their stuff in ripped trash bags or shopping bags. And this was crazy to us that this was happening, you know, in kids that were just growing up miles away from us in Brooklyn. Um, and while there are companies that were doing really great work for kids overseas, there wasn't really a focus um, from for-profit businesses on supporting kids locally here in the U.S. So we wanted to take the one-for-one -one model um, that Tom so famously created and adapt it to kids here in the U.S. So when we launched, for every bag we sold, we would donate a fully stocked backpack to American kids living in situations of need. And we did that all across the country with partnerships like the Beyonce one and Jessica Alba's Honest Company and many, many more. And then in uh, two years ago, we shifted that model based on like the needs of the country and how things were evolving away from a one-for-one -one model to now for every bag sold, we support American kids, families, and communities in need, but in the ways they need it most. So like right now, kids, a lot of kids aren't going to actual school. So like a backpack isn't what's needed. So what's needed is something like our virtual tutoring initiative. And so we like the fact that we've now been able to kind of be flexible and maneuver based on like what our charitable partners in the neighborhoods we serve are telling us. Did you both grow up in families that there was like always this essence of like give back, help those less fortunate than you? How can we take what we, you know, the positive things that are in our lives and help other people? Or was it more something where you guys came together and you decided to do this together? Or, or had you been doing it beforehand? I can speak to that. This I mean, is my, a really great, You. this is wonderful. This is one of the reasons why I feel like so much love, not just for Scott and knew he was my person, but his family too. They're incredible people. Well, my dad took over his family business in Massachusetts with my uncle. Um, and they started building it into something that it, it was like very mom and pop. And then they kind of revolutionized the whole furniture industry. And along the way, they started doing like really innovative things that companies are, are now doing and is seen as innovative. So like supporting the community around them in like really, really creative ways and like thoughtful ways. And so I watched my dad grow this business that was like really like successful and, and employing tons of people in the area, but at the same time, like using their revenue and the profits to like, and giving it back to the and community and making an actual difference. And I think that that's also something that's really important about state and the foundation of state and the DNA of us is that we could do more broad things, of course, but what we do, we actually do see change and we see an impact. And that's where he got that from is his family's business. They were actually making change in the community which is very special. And just personally too, like we were always like volunteering at homeless shelters and soup kitchens for and kids stuff. with AIDS and all that. Yeah. My mom helped um, start an organization that funded a camp for 
kids living with and affected by AIDS and HIV. My uncle passed away of AIDS when I was 13. So like that hit home for us. And so, yeah, we've always just kind of like been very like, you know, not content with just like doing nothing. Um, you know, and as a family that had everything they needed, that was a big lesson for me. And that's something we're trying to teach our own kids for sure. For sure. That's amazing. I mean, I, I guess I'm curious, you know, like af- what the, going back to like your relationship and the partnership after you guys got married, like what was the path to even starting the camp and saying, let's do it together. Or, you know, was it Scott's idea? Was it Jack's idea? And you were like, okay, I'll help you with it. How did it actually say like, let's do this together. This is going to be our project. And did you have, did you have hesitations about working with your kind of life partner as well? That came later. (laughs) (laughs) No. So, um, you know, the first date that we ever went on, it's interesting because now when I think back at it, like, like what it actually meant to our like lifelong love and relationship together was like, he walked in late and like made a horrible joke, but I don't know. He just like, he just felt like home, you know, like I was like, Whoa, this guy is just, I, I I've known him before. Like I've met him in another lifetime. You know, he just was so comfortable to me, but the first date, all he did was talk about how he didn't like his job and how he wanted to do something else. And I was like, okay, all right. You know, and he told me all about a camp that he had started, um, up in Maine and in partnership with, um, the boys and girls club of Dorchester, Massachusetts, he had started a nonprofit summer camp there with the Mark, Mark Wahlberg foundation. So there's a camp up in Maine and they weren't using the facilities. And he just thought to himself one day, like, wow, this should really be utilized more and give more kids the opportunity to be able to do this. Um, and I thought that that was really incredible, like that he had done that because I'm a camp person. I loved I loved going to camp. I started when I was six years old and went like until I was a teenager. So I was like, wow, I love that. And then literally, I would say like six months into our relationship, you were like, I'm going to start another camp and it's going to be this summer. And I was like, OK, this is like March. And, you know, so this is I, pre, this is really early in your relationship. You're still dating. Six dating. This is six months dating. So day one, I, I heard he didn't like his job. Like maybe date five, I heard about the other camp, Camp um, Northbound. And then literally like four or five months later, he was like, I think I want to do this. Six months later, he had like quit his job and he had aligned with a partner and found a camp and all this stuff and like hustled to get 85 kids to the first ever camp power. I actually wasn't there because I had a full-time job and I couldn't take a vacation. Um, But I was there in spirit. Yeah. Um, But I was very much a part of creating the camp and, you know, figuring out all the logistics behind it and really just being his support system and knowing that this was going to be something way bigger than just this one experience that we were, you know, sort of going through together that, you know, after that summer, there was going to be a real legacy behind Camp Power. But then talk about like multiple activities. Oh, right, right. So then, I mean, I actually was working a corporate job in the fashion world and we got married and we moved to Boston and I got pregnant. And like Scott mentioned, we hosted a lot of um, events or like trips for the kids of Camp Power throughout the school year. And so one of those is a scholarship trip so at the end of camp, at Campfire, at the end of every single week, we we select one camper from each age group, a boy and a girl, so 10 kids total, and, mm-hmm. and they get a $1,000 scholarship to books or school, books or college, and then they become a part of the scholarship trip. So we were living in Boston, and we had the scholarship scholarship 
trip kids there for the weekend and we were taking them to the train station. We were driving there. We were driving like a million miles an hour with the van following because <laughs> we were late. And so one girl started to run off the uh, van and her stuff was falling out of a Dwayne Reed bag with holes in it. I grabbed a bag from the back of my, our car and I was like, put your stuff in here and go, you know? So I would like push them out to the train that night. We were sitting on the porch and Scott was like, I want to do more. I want to do more. And we sort of conceptualized state like over burgers on the back porch in Boston. And I was like, yeah, you'll do it. You'll do it. And I'll be pregnant. And I'll, I'll have babies and it'll be so great. And I'll, I'll cheer for you. And I'll be your like cute little wife. And then we went to the first meeting and they're like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a mom soon. And they were like, no, you're involved. And then from that point on, it's been the two of Fast us. Fast forward eight years. She is now <laughs> CEO of the company. She, there is nothing that she isn't involved in or knows about. She is like driving this entire business and is so good at it. And I'm like, um, I'm going to go pick up the kids from school. <laughs> That's did awesome. you guys, did you sit down and say like at any point, like, okay, Jack is going to do this. I'm going to do this. Like, how did you delineate the roles? Because I mean, I imagine you guys are together all the time. There has to be some sort of like, you know, structure to, to the partnership. Marriage counseling. Yes. That was definitely <laughs> marriage counseling was a huge part of it. But I would also say that like, you know, we were very green and we did not know what we were doing at all. We didn't know what we were about to embark on. We had a love and a passion for each other. We believed in each other so much and for what we were going to build together. Um, and we just went into it full force. And of course, like I had more of a creative arm. So initially it was supposed to be that I was in charge of all the product and, you know, the, I guess the marketing portion of it in terms of its creative, like customer facing side. And Scott was going to do everything on the philanthropic side, plus the marketing. But like, that's not what you do to build a business. Like, that's not it. There's a million things in mm -hmm. between. And so sort of figuring out what we were each going to do took a long time. And there was a lot of overlap that really actually was challenging, very challenging. Like I turned to him at one point and I was like, I don't want to be in any more meetings with you at all throughout the course of the day. Um, I think you know. that was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, right. I imagine that. I mean, I think, um, was that like super early on or do you feel like you guys were on this wheel of we're overlapping too long for, you know, for a year or did you figure it out really quickly? Like we need to start separating roles a little a bit. It was a couple of years. It was a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. It was a couple of years. I think as things you know, got more challenging with the business and we started to bring more people in. It was starting to become more clear that we needed to really figure out what our roles were and how to like, you know, follow that path and and exist somewhat separately because we, we did everything together at first. And then when you bring on team members, you have to like allow them to do their job mm -hmm. and not be on top of them and climb into their business and their roles and all that. So it was like, we had to really learn how to lead and like be coworkers. But when you're in it, it's hard because you're, you're in it and all you want to do is build and, and drive and move forward. And like the soundtrack of our lives was people, friends and family telling us like, this is a, this is marital suicide. Like, do, don't do this. Like, don't keep doing this. We were like, we're good. Like we're building something. It's exciting. We have all these exciting things happening, whatever. And we were just so in that bubble. And then we did go see somebody as a collectively. And like, and he, rem I remember telling, he, rem I remember him telling us like, you guys have to compartmentalize. Yeah. yeah. If you don't, 
if you don't, it's going to be the end of your business and the end of your relationship. Was who you went to a, a like a traditional marriage counselor or someone who also had like executive coaching experience? And would no. you, have, or was it just a friend? <laughs> No, no, no. Is her name Nicole? <laughs> no. Now yeah. we're both just married to Nicole. Marriage counselor. Yeah. I know. I was like, at one point, I was like, maybe we should have Nicole just like call in and say, <laughs> why are you doing this without me? She should be like, I can take that question. Um, <laughs> I'll answer that for them. Um, no, it was like, I was seeing this therapist at the time who was just helping me with like all the challenges of being a new dad, of you know, working with my wife, like all these things. And then it became clear that like, we should be having this conversation with her in the room. So I can bulldoze it. Yeah, exactly. And he, (laughs) he, he, um, he wasn't that, that wasn't his like forte. Um, but he could, he could see that there was like an urgency there that needed to happen. And it was super helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and everything changed from there really. I mean, the truth is though, is that we have like really such a solid foundation and absolute like love crazy love for one another like when I met him I knew that I had met him in every lifetime like I know that that sounds weird but like we we have like we've always been together and I think that we valued that so much that any conflict that really didn't need to be there shouldn't and so we needed help to really kind of like decipher which way to go and I think it's sorry I could keep going, but I think it took a lot of like swallowing pride on probably both of our ends. But like, really, I feel like I had to do a lot of that because, you know, I, I saw myself in the beginning, like this, everybody looked at this as like Scott's thing. Me too. And like, you know, even Jack and everybody we were talking to and the help that we were getting. And because I was like the male of the two of us. Everybody assumed that like Scott has the business sense. Scott's going to be the marketing mind. Scott's going to know the numbers and everything. And I was living in this like out of body kind of experience where I was like pretending to be this guy that I wasn't like, I was this like trying to be this like wheeling dealing businessman who like had all the answers and like had done this before when I was like literally just a guy who like had like this bleeding heart who like really wanted to do something good and had no idea how to build like a successful, profitable business. And it was kind of, it took a couple of years for me to eventually be like, I know what I'm really good at. And I also know what I'm really not good at. And, and part of what's affecting us as a married couple and as like business partners is the fact that like, I need to stop pretending to be somebody I'm not. And like to start honing in on like what I know that I could like feel better myself professionally, personally, but also like it would, it'd be so much better for the business. And that's why now I'm like, really happy and proud to be just driving all the charitable initiatives that we do. Cause I think nobody does it like us. And I think that's because I've been able to like, let go of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of being in a successful partnership and Melissa and I have learned this over the years as well is really being able to say, okay, I suck at this and that is okay. I do not need to be great at everything. And that is why I have a partner. You know, I, Melissa and I, you know, really fell into this partnership and it just so happens that we complement each other well, but we overlap a lot, quite a bit. Um, but you know, I, uh, in the beginning, I really did. I thought I could do everything. I thought I was great at everything. And then I met Melissa and I realized she is much better than me at a good portion of things. Um, and I was able to take a step back and say, you know what, I'm not really great at this and that's okay. I do not need to be able to manage every single client or manage the entire Mm -hmm. staff. And, and Melissa is fantastic at it. And 
I think it's really humbling to be able to, as a business owner, where we're told we have to do everything and do everything really mm-hmm. well. And there's always someone who's going to do it better than you to be able to say, you know what? I don't need to do everything and mm-hmm. I don't need to do everything really well. And that's okay. And that is why not just we find partners, but you hire people that are better mm-hmm. than you. You yeah. know, we're constantly, Melissa and I always say like, we're constantly looking for publicists that are better than we are and that can teach us. And I don't care if they're 24 or 54, if they are really good at what they do, then we want them on our team. Yeah. And it's, it's very humbling in the beginning. And then as you get more comfortable with it, it becomes, I think, super rewarding. Super yeah, I think it's more about also like releasing the expectation, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. like figuring out what you're good at is is, is, is strange, you know, like when it's like looking in the mirror constantly with your skill set, and you're like, whoa, but it's really, it's, it's, it's letting go of the expectation that you should know this or that. And then just mm-hmm. kind of diving into well, the discovery. I think it's just like, ultimately it's liberating. Right. And it allows you the freedom to just do what you're great at. I mean, you should always want to learn and I'm always wanting to learn things I don't know, but that doesn't mean I need to be the expert at it. And I can just continue to be the expert at what I do know best. You know, I, I obviously care about the success and health of our business, but Jen is the best at really managing it and really diving in like to the weeds. And I'm like, do you, because I trust the health of the business in your hands more than I would trust anyone else. So it's just, um, I think it's also, but it allows me then to focus on what I'm great at. So I can not like cloud my brain with something that I don't need to be doing, you know? Um, I also think too, too. for like the entrepreneurs out there that are listening to this or whatever, like it's really hard when you get wrapped up, especially in New York city in like the, the startup world, right? Cause you're listening to all these podcasts and you're going to these conferences and you're on these webinars, you're reading these books and you just get consumed by like, you need to know everything. You need to do everything. You need to be involved in every single bit of your business. And like, sure, you do like in the beginning for sure. But like, then what happens is you need to like, like we're talking about, let go of the things that like you're doing actually a detriment to your business. If you continue to like stand on ceremony, like, no, this is what I, I've done this and I know. And, and like, but I just think in New York City, especially that startup life and probably LA as well it's super intense and it can really cloud yeah. your mind in a way that's like, it, it was, it was pretty funky for us. We're seeing all these other businesses doing so much, you know, different stuff and hiring and growing and whatever you stay in your lane and you stay mm-hmm. in your kind of focus and you'll be okay. It can do yeah. detriment to like your, your like productivity, but also to your body, you know, yeah. that was another thing that we had to all like think about was like taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. in that time does it becomes like a rat race and you get so anxious about why 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 not us why not us like and you know you really have to like stay in your lane and know what you're good at and keep your head down but also your eyes open well that that leads me to a question um bringing up mental health and by the way we could do an entire podcast on just mental health it's like melissa and i actually we started we we give a mental health stipend to our entire team so that they have the flexibility to hopefully go into therapy or to take a yoga class once a week. But um, we're big, big believers in everyone taking care of their mental health. Anyway, how do you guys, Jack brought up compartmentalizing. And like one thing that I just need to understand knowing you for so long is, do you leave business? I mean, now we're in COVID, so you're working from home, I imagine. But how do you kind of delineate when you stop talking about state and when you start talking about your kids like are there boundaries do you have rules how do you 
kind of keep it separate or do you not? And it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it all has to be okay. You know, like one way or another, it's like, it's, it's, it's your process and, and, you know, the way that you're capable of sort of metabolizing what's happening around you. So I always feel like there's no right or wrong answer to that particular question, but I have a really hard time compartmentalizing because I, I love my kids so much, obviously, um, but I love my business so much too. And it's just been through such a roller coaster and there's just been so many emotions tied to it. And I, and I, I just like, I care about it and I, and I know what it can be. And so I, it consumes me a lot of the time and I have obviously done a lot of work. I mean, obviously he knows you guys don't know. I've done a lot of work to sort of, you know, um, try to focus on being in the moment when I'm with my kids, because I spent a lot of time sort of feeling like I was on the outside of what was happening inside my home because my mind was always somewhere else, even though I wanted to be present for my children. And then I started to like go crazy a little bit because I was like, what's wrong? Like, why can't I let go? Like, why am I so anxious and and all this? So I did a lot of work to figure out how to balance that in my own mind and not, um, you know, carry the weight of the day or the weight of the entire business and what it looks like in its future in every single moment Mm -hmm. of my life. Um, But with Scott and I, I mean, it's a lot of conversation, you know, it is, It, it is a lot of what um, we talk about, again, we both love it so much and we're both doing two separate things. And so now it's nice to be able to be like, well, what's going on with that? You know, and he'll ask me and I can be like, what's happening with the virtual tutoring initiative? How many hours have we logged? Like, you know, any, any feedback? Um, and that, and that actually has been really nice, but I think that it's important to sort of be patient with yourself and to know that everyone has a different way of going through that. And especially if your business is, you know, under pressure, it's like, it's even harder to let go. But either way, if you can just take a deep breath and try to live in the moment, like, you know, you will be okay. That's what I tell myself. I think, I mean, I, I've been doing a lot of like the, the, uh, parenting not not like that we're not co-parenting but like since covid like jack basically locked herself in a room and was like i need to save mm-hmm. this business and we just like let her have her space that she needed to like do what she did successfully miraculously um but you know i think there's like a thin line if you're like in the position we're in with young kids that like you want your kids to be proud of the business you're building and not despise it you know, not mm-hmm. be like envious of the attention. And there's a really thin line with our kids, especially our daughter who like one minute she loves like being the first to like wear a new bag and like sport it and like be in like an Instagram ad or something for us. And the next minute she's like, I think this business But when she like, wants sure. to she get wants me, our- she'll be like, I'm really sick of wearing state bags. Yeah. I, I just don't like that label anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, you want to put you in Jansport? Like, what? Yeah. But, you know, we. I think we're at a point where our kids are proud. Yes, of, they're proud. You know. I think that's amazing. So sure. given that, and it seems like you guys have just found this, like, really natural balance, obviously through work. It doesn't seem like it you know, you have to put in the work to make it work. Um, but would you say that there are like some advice for any like married couple or a couple partnership that 
is considering going into business together and doing something like, are there some, a few things to keep in mind going into it? Is it get a therapist that you guys can rely on to, um, you know, share kind of challenges and help guide you through or get a coach? What, what would you say if you, anyone was coming to you with that question? I would think that there should be really clean lines between what you do, like between what you each do, like very much built out, like you build out your business plan. You should build out a plan for how you guys are going to successfully run the business together because a lot of overlap, like if I could be in business, like with myself, you know, and be like, Oh, what do you think? What do you think? You know, that, that type of thing would be nice, but you're both coming to a business or a situation with a different perspective, sometimes the same, but different in a lot of ways. Um, and you have, might have different styles of working and different work habits. And so, you know, it's important that you don't look at your spouse as your coworker mm -hmm. all the time. So, you know, drawing those lines and like creating that plan, I think is crucial because actually watching your partner do something that they're amazing at and watching them shine is the most beautiful feeling. And I feel like it's a real privilege to be able to do that. But, you know, you have to really figure out how you can get to that point where it's just like you're watching them be, them mm -hmm. be their best self and not like arguing Absolutely. with you in a meeting. Yeah, but also what you said with therapists and executive coach, like yeah. totally, like do it early so that you have a, that plan. Because like you're not going to be expected to create a business from nothing and know how to like differentiate and compartmentalize. So to bring in somebody to help you do that is is a huge kind of like step in the right direction early on. I We've been watching Shark Tank with our daughter. And I watch all these like husband and wife duos come out to like make their the pitch. aphrodisiac part. Oh, and in the back <laughs> of my mind, the back of my mind, I'm always like, "What's going on in that house? Like, yeah, you know, what's like? Let's get the real story." Of Whenever this we see like a husband and wife couple, we're like, you yeah. know, how's give it, us the real, give us the dirt. Like, given that, you guys should give us the dirt. What was like? What was there like a moment where you're like, we can't, we shouldn't do this together anymore. Like, and how did you work through that together? Was it going to therapy? I mean, we're big advocates for therapy here, obviously. Actually, it's interesting. You know, we're, we're huge therapy people in our house. We, I love therapy. I think it's the greatest. <laughs> it's like thing. the highlight of the week. Twice a week. Thank you very much. It's wonderful. <laughs> our kids are in therapy. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Actually, I think. Speaking of, the, can we get that stipend <laughs> for Jeff? <laughs> Can you send that our way? Just, you know, crushing through our bank account with therapy. Okay. Um, it actually, it's kind of funny. We were at a very difficult place right before the pandemic hit. Um, I think both of us were just totally taxed with the business and sort of with each other in, in the business together. Um, yeah. And COVID really was kind of a blessing for us because you know, it was like one of us needed to tend to the kids and one of us needed to salvage the business. And so we agreed on what we were going to do and how we were going to go after it. And it was really interesting for the first time ever, I would come out from like my cave room in like my room <laughs> at the end of the day. And I'd be like, how was your day? And he was like, horrible. And like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I was with these the little beasts all day. Homeschooling. Yeah, homeschooling. Yes. Um, I'd hear like some screams, but I was like, I didn't hear that. Um, First time she's admitted <laughs> that, by the way. Yeah. 
It's a strategy. Um, but we we were really able to separate. And I remember like looking at him one, at one point through and being like, I know this is hard. Like, I know that this is a challenging time for everybody. And like, you know, for us as well. But like, I'm really enjoying the fact that I can come downstairs at the end of the day. And I'm like, hi, it's so good to see you. Versus, oh yeah. God, he's home again. <laughs> It does make you, I mean, Melissa and I worked in, you know, we, when we first started working together, we shared a desk, you know, we were just the two of us and then, you know, moved to bigger offices and bigger offices. And then ultimately I moved to LA, but we had never been apart for longer than like three days. Um, And then I up and moved to LA and we were like forced to kind of figure out how to run a company from, you know, two coasts, but it really did make us appreciate like the other person that much more. Because when you're on top of that person and you're like really in it with them, it's mm-hmm. great. And you know, they're a superstar, but you're, you don't have that like perspective of looking at it from afar. Yeah. So when I moved out here and I was kind of running the LA office and she's running New York and obviously we talked a hundred times a day, I would kind of like look at what she was doing and be like, wow, like that's unbelievable. She's doing such a great job. And I, I had no idea she was even doing that. And I think you know, sometimes it sounds crazy, but like the physical distance, Mm -hmm. like you being able to go into a room and close the door and say like, Scott, I'll talk to you in, you know, eight hours. Like Mm -hmm. that, that's helpful sometimes to really take that time to look at your business, like not on top of your partner. And to look at your marriage, not on top of your partner. You know, I can go downstairs and be like, you are, I mean, I've always said this to him because he was born to be a dad, but like, I'd be like, you are the best dad ever. Like you, yeah. you are, and you're such a good and caring husband too, that you're like giving me that time also first time you start. I, I feel like um, yeah. their relationship is very similar to me and Sean. <laughs> like I just, like really? Scott is definitely yeah. Sean. They're the same, um, which is so funny. Yeah. Sean's like the nicest person on the planet. And like, well, no, I mean, Jack is much for sure. softer than you. Yeah. Like you're, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Melissa can be terrifying. <laughs> Um, terrifying. she's terrifying. But it's Sean like, is just Sean. I mean, Sean drives me nuts because mm-hmm. we're all kind of married. You know, we've been together for so long. Um, but I talk. I literally every podcast I talk yeah. about, Sean drives me crazy, Melissa. Um, but he is. It's it's like the Easter egg. Podcast. You have to find yeah, it in is, every podcast. I know, Sean, but he is such a kind. He has such a big heart. He was like put on this earth to be like a girl dad. He is just enamored by the daughters and like really to be honest has given Melissa so much space and time to I mean running a PR agency is a nightmare like there's no way around it I was talking to someone the other day and they're like you have the worst job ever and it is so hard but <laughs> we really love doing it but mm-hmm. it takes an enormous amount of time and you know she has two babies and yeah. Sean's just he's really supportive and I think it's it says a lot about, I think, yeah. a man Meanwhile, when they're able to do that. also working full-time yep. and that's, actually that's runs really. a business that's, like, yeah. five times the size of ours. So, um, it's not five times the size. If you looked at one of our P&L reports, was, you would understand. Hey, it's not, not five big. times We're the size. Huge. I'm just saying. They're bigger. <laughs> huge. But, um, huge. But to your point about distance yeah. and, like, with... I'll say the thing that Jen said about distance is yes, it was great because it's great perspective and it made me reappreciate her, but I also hate the distance. I just want to go on the record saying like, I would like her to move back. Um, so I really rely on her for a lot of stuff and the three hour time difference is not working for me, but, um, it, yeah, yeah it is really hard. Yeah, um, tough. because 
hands down, I don't talk to anyone more than I talk to Jen, hands down, easily, um, about everything, personal, professional, like she knows things that my mom doesn't know, you know? So like, um, it is. Jen, you're probably on the phone all day long. Cause when Nicole leaves our house, she's like, Hey, and we're like, and she's like, Oh, I believe that. I, I mean, I'm literally on, I usually wake up at like five 30 or six to about eight text messages from Melissa telling me why today is going to be a terrible day. That's how I start my day. I actually had to have like an intervention with her after a therapy session. And I was like, I'm trying to go into every day with positivity and a sense of calm. Cause I'm a very anxious person. I have an anxiety disorder. Like COVID hasn't been friendly for my anxiety disorder. So I say like, I need to start every day calm. Like I'm trying to meditate in the mornings. When I wake up to 11 text messages from you, going through each client that's bothering you, why you want to kill someone on our team, you know, why your husband is making you insane. It really doesn't start off that, my day well. Listen, sounds like her husband makes, sounds like her husband. Yeah. Making no, you this is why yeah. three hour time difference does not work because when we were on the same time zone, we started a day the, the same so was fun. and then we brought it down together. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> anywho, we should ask actual questions, but I really like talking to you guys. <laughs> yeah, this is so fun. Can you guys actually, but I do want, because we know a lot about state and obviously you talked about the brand and your priorities and you mentioned a few things, Scott, the charitable initiatives that you're working on now. What, what are some of the things that are going on with the brand now that would be helpful to know? Like what are some of the charitable initiatives? What, what are some maybe brand launches you guys are doing? What's your focus for 2021? Yeah, I mean, Scott should definitely talk about the charitable initiative stuff and all the good work that he's doing there. But in terms of the business, it's it's actually in a phenomenal place. We like we are a family bag brand and we are, I think, best in class for the kids products that we offer. And right before the pandemic, we were going to be launching kids luggage, our kids on the move collection. That's really That's cute. April 14th. We were supposed to launch it 2020. And it was like, we were in major lockdown. So we obviously didn't do that at that time. We, um, but we did launch our kids on the move collection in June and it's been, we've gotten an incredible response. I have been shocked about how many people have actually been buying luggage amid, amid a pandemic. Um, but yeah, the business is growing and we have a lot of really exciting partnerships lined up Healthy and, growth. and yes, and that has actually been the focus since we, um, we sort of shut down the business in, um, March, April and May of last year and furloughed most of the team were super, super, super quiet. And I was just kind of focusing on how to get us to a place where we can be healthy, but still have really strong growth and do all the things that we want to do on the charitable side um, while, you know, getting the team all back. And so I did that. That's what I was doing in the cave all day. Um, and we were able to come back out of it in late May and launch the Kids in the Move collection early June. Well, don't just gloss over that, though. That's a big deal. I mean, we know we work with startups all day long. And to be able to not just, you know, survive this pandemic, which has been awful for retail, period, there's no way around it. But the fact that you were able to kind of come out of this and, and continue to see a healthy growth is is unbelievable. I mean, that's, no, no, no. that's great. I don't know if she's going to do it justice. This is, can I swear on this? Yeah. This is fucking miraculous. Like, we got our team on the first ever zoom that we had. we didn't even know like what zoom was we got our whole team on in mid-march and we were like guys like strap in 
Like, this is not good. Like, we are furloughing everybody. And, like, I started hysterically crying. Jack's, like, kind of, like, holding back her tears. But I'm looking down the barrel of, like, we're, we're a company that makes products for people mm-hmm. on the go. And yeah. we are looking we at... Long, put every dollar into a kid's luggage collection. Which was supposed <laughs> to be a thing for us. And we are looking at, like, months and months and months mm-hmm. of nobody going anywhere. Like, I'm thinking we are screwed. Like we're, we're done. There's no yeah. way we can make it through this. So the fact that we were able to stabilize, hibernate, you know, all the things that she so strategically did and like literally like pushing levers here and thinking about like strategy there and coming out of it in May with a mass collection with Carolina Korkova and Billy Bloom's like the beginning of like us kind of resurfacing. And then coincidentally like coming out of it during back mm-hmm. to school when we thought nobody was going to be buying anything because we didn't know if anyone was going to like invest in backpacks if they're going from like room to room but creatively thinking of a campaign that like don't let rituals die like that was her like i'm telling you like i don't think it gets talked about enough and i like to bring it up as much as possible she has saved this business time and time again in multiple ways but like when we shut down in march there was Mm-hmm. We had no business staying alive. And the fact that we are not only alive, but like we are kicking and like we're kicking ass right now is like a total testament to this like psycho woman here who's like, <laughs> like just like a freak of like, a, I don't know, like a business person who like you would never expect it, like came on as the creative genius behind all of our designs and is now like pouring through P&Ls like you, Jenny, and could like be like, well, last week we are our ROI. And I'm like, who, yeah. who is this person? Who would have thought two Byram Hills graduates are pouring through P&L reports? Like no other brand probably deserves more to be in existence. I think you guys know this, like consumers care so much more now about where they do put their dollar, right? I think the pandemic really made people or forced them to rethink how they were spending their money. And we have always known this to be true, but brands that were values-driven or mission-driven or had something more to say than just buy this product, we're always going to be the brands that survive, right? Um, If they also have someone great behind it, making sure it does. But you also have to have a great brand, you know, and a great product and a great story. Um, Because just like you, all these other backpack brands were probably popping back up trying to survive and running campaigns, but the consumers chose yours. So So to your point, like if anything has kind of spoken to this moment, it's like, if you're, if all the things that you just said Mm -hmm. aren't real and authentic, like there's been a real like filtration process of like the brands that like really care and really mean it when they go out and they talk about like social issues and they are, have, they have a mission and they're not just doing it because it's popular now mm-hmm. and because of the reckoning in April, like, and it's like real, it's real. And I think what I just like, will always love about what we do in our approach. And I think what our customers appreciate is like that there's no like hidden agenda. Like our, yeah. our, our whole goal is always just to like, we just want to, we want to be helpful and we want to make a genuine impact and we're not doing it to get press. Like we're doing it because we that's, don't get what press this business, that's what this business was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys are great. So truly. I know. I will also They're say adorable. the bags are also really good. I mean, I, 
They're so good. And I I got a fanny pack. Actually, I texted Nicole and I'm like, which one should I get? And she's like, oh, well, let me just have Jack send you one. And I'm like, absolutely not. I want to support them. They do the best work. I like got so like passionate about it. And I'm just like one person. And if I feel that way, like people genuinely want to spend money on oh, your bags sure. because it feels good. Jen, do you know what time it is? I sure do, Melissa. Well, tell us what time it is. It's the ship session time. So we opened up our inboxes for listeners to write in with some of their most burning business and or entrepreneurial questions for our guests to answer on air. Oh, Maura, these are really good. Okay, are you ready? Are you guys ready? We're ready. Okay. What was the push you needed to like ultimately go for it? And what was your very first step in launching state? Well, oh, and that was, sorry, that was asked by Allie, A-L-I. You have to start. Hey, Allie. Hey, Allie. <laughs> so happy to answer your question. I think for us initially, we were so like compelled to make an impact on the mission side. Um, the people who dr- like drove us to, to do these things and to start this company were the kids that we served at camp. And being able to have that experience of going into their schools or into homeless shelters or any after school program and being able to give them something that they really felt like they loved and was not just like a gross hand-me-down backpack or a, you know, a plastic bag. We, we, we loved more than anything watching kids like after the first bag drops, shoving their stuff into a new backpack and putting it on and feeling so proud. So that was definitely the beginning of us feeling like, oh my God, like we have to keep going. We have to keep going. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just like whenever we walk around Camp Power, it's hard to explain the magic that happens at this experience, but like they're in the middle of the woods. A lot of kids have never left the borough of Brooklyn or Bronx before. And we send them to this beautiful facility in Pennsylvania for a week and experience like what camp can do. I walk around and I always like just get so choked up, just like hearing the sounds and seeing the interactions and the laughs and all that stuff. And I just, you know, that to me was like, we can do this in like a for-profit way. And like, and granted, this is happening, Camp Power happens in such a vacuum. Like no one really has ever seen it who like isn't a counselor or whatever. We have sometimes have visitors and stuff, but like, let's like, let's make this like a bigger thing and let's like, let's fuel it through good stuff that people actually need. Not like crap products Mm -hmm. that like you're pushing out there to whatever, but like stuff that like people are going to be proud of and they're going to wear and they're going to look good and feel good and it's going to do good. And so we just, we're so like energized by that idea. I love that. I I meant to say this earlier, but um, I never went to camp when I was younger. I was a camp counselor for a day camp, but my husband went to camp in Pennsylvania. He started, (laughs) he started, I want to say when he was like seven or eight. Um, and he went all the way through and we all the way up to being a counselor. And I cannot tell you, I mean, we've been together for 12 years. He is like one of the most formidable experiences of his entire life. His, he has friends from day one that are still his closest friends today. It is literally shaped who he is outside of, you know, obviously his family life and experience. And he grew up in the city outside of that camp. You know, he was a city kid in Harlem. So, uh, you know, where would he have experienced, yeah. you know, he had family in Jersey, but still it's a little bit different when you're going to camp and you're in this kind of ecosystem that is so it's exciting great. and fun and cool. And and think about all the people, you know, who went to camp forever. that talk about it like that and think about all the kids who would never, never have that experience. All the kids who like, absolutely. That so anywho, you know, um, so. I obviously have a special place in my heart for camps and we'll send our girls too to one, but 
Um, I love that you guys, you know, had that special mission with yours in particular, but, um, Jack's answer, um, earlier kind of dovetails into the next question about how did you know that your business was actually a good idea? Um, and you made a comment about seeing the kids, you know, shoving their stuff into a backpack, getting super excited. Was that the moment or was there any, uh, you know, a different moment where you're like, this is what we need to be doing? I, I knew that this was a good idea from minute one, honestly. I, I, I was, that's why when it's, because it's been such a roller coaster and I just have refused to get off the ride. Like, I'm like, I know that this is a good idea. I know that this is needed. And I know that it's like one of the most special businesses out there and it deserves to live. And I'm going to fight like hell to make sure that it does. Um, It's, it's, yeah. We listen to a lot of Jonas Brothers in this house (laughs) because our daughter and son love it. And there's a song called Roller Coaster that, (laughs) that speaks to like the beginnings of like, you know, them kind of coming up. And uh, Jack, I think, just subtly alluded to Jonas Brothers' song. Right, exactly. But the other thing, too, about our business is that, you know, when we started to, when we really got a handle on what state, as you know it now, was going to look like, because we've pivoted a lot along the way, specifically with our branding and our product, when, when we started state as you know it now, we started to get feedback about like the quality of the bag and the fact that it was so fashionable and so fun. And that was the intention of it. Like backpacks are a dinosaur product. I mean, they've been around for centuries and they're so, they can be so boring. And we just wanted to come with a different perspective and a different way for you to like schlep your kids stuff around, you know, like not have it be like a huge Elsa bag with like snowflakes hanging off of it. But how do we like capture the essence of kids while using it with fashion. And we wanted that, that like feeling like I, I always used to say that I would come home with a new design. And if Ayla wasn't like, <gasps> when she saw it, it wasn't a good one, you know? And I mean, it's a backpack and sometimes kids take it out of the bag. Not sometimes, a lot of the times kids get it out of the box and they're like, Oh my God. And they love it and they covet it. And I feel like that's, that's so special, you know? And I don't really see any other backpack brands for kids really going out there with that, like as their best foot forward, like, we want it to be fun. We want to make kids smile. You know, we want to make them look good. Um, and we also want to be thoughtful about what we design and how we design it. Like, is it actually making the parents' life easier? You know, do the water bottle pockets function? Are there inside zippers for lunch money? Can you, you know, with our luggage, the little mini guy actually slides onto your luggage because kids always abandon their luggage at the airport. And like, how many parents do you see like hunched over, <laughs> like rolling their kids' little like Elmo bag, you know? Or our kid used to have a lovey that he would leave everywhere in the airport and we're such germaphobes. And I'd be like, why? We can't walk <laughs> to the destination. And I would, so we put this strap on the side of these luggage. You shove your lovey in there and they can still see it and it's not hidden. And, you know, if there's a layover, there's little compartments for like markers and pens and all that stuff. And so everything we've done has been so super thoughtful and with such good quality and with like a real eye for like style and design that like, you know, that, that is also a huge, huge, huge piece of who we are and why I know that this brand is important to be out there. And that's why I designed the bags the way that I do. <laughs> okay. Before we go, remind everyone what your website is, what your Instagram handle is, anything you want to, you know, plug about the charitable initiatives, just to wrap things up. Well, you can follow us at state bags. We're hashtag give backpack. That's on social. Um, our website is statebags.com. And 
We're super proud of this virtual tutoring initiative that we started in September because as we know, the playing field is not level and it has not been level in a very long time. So the fact that kids are now being forced to re learn remotely with bad Wi-Fi, with, you know, bad, uh, no, you know, no, no internet, no tablets, yeah. no yeah. nothing. So we've, we've been able to, to provide hundreds of hours of tutoring for free. Um, for hundreds of kids, you know, tutors across the country, virtual one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, I'd also like to say that I'm actually going to be starting some like new stuff in addition to state and that if there are companies out there that are listening who want to build upon or focus or create a charitable mission, I'm starting to work with other companies. It's something that I've done casually for years, just like having conversations with people about initiatives that they should do or whatever, where I'm going to be like kind of crafting this for a lot of brands that are looking to like do something more authentic and impactful. With a direct impact. That's awesome. I feel like we could probably help with a lot of our clients there because a lot yeah. of our clients are amazing and they have these brilliant business models and the amazing product and they're also really great people, but that's just not their focus, not their background is how can I be more philanthropic? How can I align with an organization that has the same value system? Where do, where do I even begin? Yeah. That's what I do. I love it. So that for me, that's really exciting. In addition to continuing building on states, giving initiatives and platform, we had a, a vision when we launched the um, luggage that we were going to send 10 kids from underfunded communities across New York to Guatemala for an international trip because luggage travel, like just like camp, kids don't get the opportunity to travel. And we were going to partner with a travel company and do all these sightseeing and kind of like team building stuff over international borders. That's something we obviously did not get to do, but it's something that I am bent on doing in 2022 or maybe even sooner. Um, I think about that pretty much every hour of the day of like making that initiative happen. So a lot of That's big stuff awesome. and Jack's work. You guys, you guys are just such good people. It's just, you know, it's just, it's refreshing. It's really nice. And, and I will say, like, I always say to our mutual friend, Nicole, that you can tell how much you guys love each other. Like it's, it's a weird and slightly <laughs> annoying thing, but it is really amazing. And I, I mean, it's it's really beautiful and it's if really refreshing. She really, really loved me. She would get in the car and go pick up the kids at school. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because our, my stepson is upstairs. I'm downstairs in our basement doing this, and I hear him walking around, and that's his way of saying like, "I need a snack," and you're still on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> at least he's giving you the space. That's impressive. Oh yeah. Well, I locked the door. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much. I love you both, and I we am love you guys. so proud of you. And um, yeah, I guess that Melissa, is there like a way we end or no? No, that just stop talking. <laughs>